Welcome, friends, to another episode of Leadosophy. This is the space, the digital space, where an open mind is the rule and not the exception. I'm going to expand on that, that saying in today's episode. An open mind is the rule and not the exception. Because I say that a lot. And I spent the last two days trying to gain a deeper understanding into what that means to me. And I put some thoughts on paper. I wrote a blog post yesterday on leadosophy.com under my thoughts. Uh, The title is An Open Mind, 20 Thoughts and Questions. So there's a couple things I want to talk about today uh, in response to my opening statement for every Leadosophy podcast, YouTube podcast. So I hope you like this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, welcome back. Remember, open mind, the rule, and not the exception. So where do I, where do I want to go today? I don't want this to be a super long episode because for me this is quality over quantity, right? So if it's only 10 minutes, but the information is quality, and you determine quality, right? Whoever's listening determines the quality of the information. If you don't think it's good quality or if you think it's worthless, let me know. I'd be encouraged to hear your feedback. I like to claim I have an open mind and I'm accepting the critical feedback. Easier said than done, right? We've all received critical feedback and sometimes it's not always easy to hear, but sometimes you just need to hear it. So what's kind of funny about this episode is it's a paradox. It's maybe not a paradox, but it is a contradiction. As I put forth this open mind propaganda, on this show as I talk about my thoughts. Uh, it's pretty much one way. I'm, I'm not having a conversation with anyone. Can my mind really be open when I'm telling you how I feel, what I think about this idea of what it means to have an open mind? Seems like a contradiction, but that's okay. Uh, philosophy and leadosophy do not like contradictions, but we're just going to accept that this episode is one big contradiction. However, That being said, up on the screen, you can see my blog post, An Open Mind. 20 thoughts and questions. I take you to point two because this is one of my favorite quotes by Democritus, an ancient Greek pre-Socratic philosopher. He said, quote, opinion says hot or cold, but the reality is atoms in empty space. So, I mean, that's pretty deep. All there is, all there are atoms in empty space. So it seems like there's a lot of room for opinions, uh, a lot of room for conjecture, hypotheses, uh, beliefs, values, ideas. But I think what that really means to me, that that uh, quote by Democritus, is there's a lot of room for meaning and understanding, not so much searching for a universal truth or you know, I'm seeking the truth, but just a lot of room 
you know, in human interactions and relationships, a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room for just understanding one another, learning from one another. I talk a lot about co-creation of knowledge, um, kind of co-create knowledge. We co-create reality. And in many cases, we co-create the truth. Um, there might be a, you know, one of my points here on 20 thoughts and questions is, you know, between the complete world of subjectivity and the complete world of objectivity, I think that world, that space might be larger than we we would like to realize or that we do realize. So that's important to me as it applies to an open mind. There's a couple of these I, I, I would like to read because they're really important to me. They're all important to me or I wouldn't have wrote them down. Um, point number seven, an open mind and the fear of being wrong cannot coexist because they are contradictions. If we fear being wrong, our minds are not open, but rather our minds are on defense. The same logic can be applied when I say or think I am right. This implies a defensive posture when faced with new information. Uh, the next one, number eight, an open mind is the antidote for dogmatic objectivity. Dogmatic objectivity. As soon as I claim ownership of the truth, you must accept my truth and join my team because you cannot possibly have the truth. We are at a cognitive impasse. We reject one another. We negate the possibilities to learn from one another. Herein lies the conundrum with objectifying truth in all situations. Uh, a couple more I want to talk about. Here's a question for the leadosophy crowd. What if we looked at every human, action, human interaction? What if we looked at every human interaction as a potential learning opportunity? As opposed to every human interaction, we come in with an agenda or we are trying to win an argument. Those, those ideas are not conducive to an open mind. I think that's important. And as soon as we label or judge a person as X or Y, our minds are closed. I think that's important too. So, you know, leadership in general is, is about human relationships, you know, and how you approach those relationships, how you approach these relationships with an open mind and willingness to learn from the other, or a willingness to claim the truth about a certain subject. And once you claim that truth, you kind of shut the other person out. Again, unless they you know, unless you kind of force them to adopt your truth. But sometimes our truths are not always the same. You know, I talked about this and I can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before, you know, this this idea of what our reality is. Um, each of us has our own idea of reality. We can only have one reality. I can't have your reality and you cannot have mine. So, you know, with nearly 8 billion people on the planet, you have a lot of different realities. And when presented with two pieces of information, you know, two, two people looking at identical pieces of information. Um, they're probably going to have different ideas of what that means to them. You know, just look at, you know, in the United States, just look at all the, the current things going on in the, in the political and the social realm in, in the United States. You know, people can be, uh, they can be shown the identical information and have two completely 
opposite views of what they're seeing or how they interpret that information, right? It's like two people are watching the same movie, but they have different uh, ideas about what that movie means. It happens. It's just, you know, we're all different. All right, so yeah, check that out. If you get, if you get a chance, I would encourage your feedback. Uh, my email's on the bottom. You can respond. You can reply to me. Uh, maybe on this open mind, 20 thoughts and questions, you you have some issues with something I wrote. You don't believe it's true. You think it's kind of, um, it's just false information. Or you think it could be worded better. Or you want to add to the list. Let me know. I'd be, encouraged, I'd be in, encouraged to see what you may think about what an open mind means to you. Because again, I've already said this show is a contradiction. I'm telling you my thoughts about an open mind and hoping you're listening. Um, so my listeners, your mind is open, but mine is not. It is It is open. I'm trying to, I keep saying that, but my mind is open. All right, so I'm bringing up, uh, I kind of just wrote this down because I kind of took, what I did was I took my blog post yesterday and I wrote just a little list of things that I believe antagonizes the open mind, right? It kind of prevents the mind from being open. And I just want to talk about these. I think there's a, yeah, there's 12 of them. I wrote down 12 of them. And we're going to go into this now. So if you're not watching, no worries. I'll talk about what I wrote down. So I titled this Antagonizing the Open Mind. And there's 12 just quick points I want to go through. And again, you know, I think... It's almost like I'm, I'm defining the open mind in the negative sense, meaning um, I'm, I'm talking about what, what an open mind is not. So sometimes we can get more, we can get a deeper understanding by trying to figure out what something is not other than what it is. So I think these points help kind of flush that out, right? Defining the open mind negatively. Okay, so point number one, the dogmatic truth antagonizes the open mind, right? What is the dogmatic truth? So to Leadosophy and to Tim, the dogmatic truth means that I am so wedded to the truth that I cannot let it go, right? I am right at all costs. There's no way that you can possibly have this alternative truth because what I know is absolutely certain, right? To me, that's that's kind of a dogma as it applies to the truth. That is what I refer to as complete objectivity of the truth. We have objectified the truth to the point that we own it. It is ours. It's object. It's a thing. We own it. You can't have it, right? Unless I give it to you and you hold it with me. But if you don't believe, if you don't accept my objective truth, then you know what? We're not going to have a conversation. The mind closes. Argument and debate. Think of a courtroom. What is the goal of trial lawyers in a courtroom? It is to win. It is to win an argument and influence the jury with hopefully their winning argument. When we approach normal conversation in the day-to-day with other human beings, if we are under this mindset that we are arguing, we are debating, the mind is not open. The mind cannot be open. Now, throughout that conversation, you, we may have an epiphany and say, you know what, this isn't going anywhere. It's just a ping pong of information back and forth. It's just bouncing off the other person and not like sinking in. 
Uh, we can have that epiphany maybe midstream of the conversation, and then maybe the argument debate turns into a meaningful conversation. So, but Lidosophy believes argument and debate with the, with the goal to win a conversation is antagonistic to the open mind. Predetermined judgments, again, if I go into a conversation and I have predetermined the outcome, or I have predetermined what is right and who is wrong, I argue, Lidosophy argues, that the mind is closed. The mind is closed. And that also goes with point number four, which is agendas. You know, th think about the last time you had a work conversation, or maybe you were in a leadership role and you were providing a like a critical feedback session to one of to someone who works for you. Um, you know they their performance is poor, and I say no like in quotes. Um, there could be other issues, right? You know that their performance is poor, and you're going into that conversation with a with an agenda, and that is to tell them how to correct their performance. So if they try to counter that, hey, my performance hasn't been poor, you know, I've been under so-and-so, you know, I've been under these pressures, you know, some of these processes are really terrible at work, they make my job super difficult. Um, if you have a preloaded agenda, predetermined agenda, your mind may not be quite open or receptive to the feedback they may have. That's just one example, there's many. Uh, point number five is one's emotive state. One's emotive state might be antagonizing to the open mind. And I wrote a little sad face on my drawing there. You can see it. Maybe you can't see it if you're listening. So I'm thinking of emotive states like rage, anger, sadness. What are some others? What might be some other emotive states that are antagonistic to the mind being open? If we are in these emotive states... Are we willing to accept new information? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to have a deep conversation um, that is about meaning and understanding and learning from, from the other? I'm not really sure. Once again, I just wrote these up here for, for conversation purposes. You know, I, this goes to kind of like disposition. As we enter a, a dialogue with someone else, what is our disposition before we go into that conversation? Are we already frustrated, upset, or are we going into this conversation with a sense of, you know, kind of a sense of wonder? I want to learn from this other person. I want to hear what they have to say. I think that's one of the beauty about podcasts that are, you know, that have two people engaged in conversation. Because those are, I think they approach those podcasts as, as learning environments. And they're just asking questions, learning from one another, you know, for not only for themselves, but for the audiences. I think that's one of the, one of the greatest things about um, conversations on podcasts is because the disposition going into those podcasts is one of learning. That is their kind of emotive state. It's a sense of wonder, um, probably going in with a positive attitude. You know, they're excited, you know, what they're going to find out. So that's point number five. Point number six, I should have put a question mark after this one. I wrote social media and I should have wrote social media question mark. Is social media antagonistic to the open mind or the disposition of having an open mind going into a conversation. I call Twitter, I'm on Twitter. To me, Twitter is the uh, the realm of conclusions. I would say, I, I would like to do a random sample size of, let's say a thousand random original Twitter Twitter posts and see how many of those are conclusive statements, vice questions. 
And my hypothesis would be, if I if you forced me to make a hypothesis, I would say 85% of a random sample of a thousand Twitter posts are conclusions, conclusive statements, and not questions. So yeah, social media, I don't know if social media is conducive to spirited dialogue, learning from one another. I don't know if that digital space is is a place where meaningful conversations really happen. Again, would love to hear your feedback. Okay, point number seven, overconfidence can antagonize the open mind. Overconfidence, leadosophy does not like overconfidence. Leadosophy is very very skeptical of, of the ego because the ego and what follows potentially overconfidence. I don't know if that facilitates good dialogue and conversation. I don't think we're going into a dialogue with another human with the intent to, to learn from the other when we are overconfident in our own knowledge and our own abilities. I don't know if, that, if that, those two things can square with one another. Okay, time pressures is the number eight on our list. Time pressures. Have you ever been in a scenario where you are pressed for time? I ask, how open can your mind be? So I think back to my other life before uh, before I retired from the Coast Guard. In the world of search and rescue, and it's the same as any kind of emergency services, you have a call for your services. You are under a very strict time limit. You have to respond. You get a certain amount of information up front, and then you have to you have to go. You have to make a decision to to go to effect a rescue or whatever it is. Uh, I can't sit there with an open mind for hours upon hours and take in new information. The only time my mind should remain open is is I'm, you know, if I'm going out to save someone with a crew with a boat crew. On, on the way to that scene of distress, hopefully my mind is open because information is going to change, right, on my way out there. But at some point, I'm going to arrive on scene with a mariner on distress and I have to act. But I think there's a certain sliver of your mind that has to remain open for because new information is going to be coming in rather quickly and rapidly. And in the marine environment, the environment is dynamic. It's constantly changing. So yes, on one hand, you have to have an open mind consistently throughout. But on the other hand, on the emergency services, it's about action, right? It's about action to, to save a life or whatever you're doing. On the flip side of time pressure, you have this idea that we are under time pressure. We're under the pressure of time. But there are other, other times where the time pressure is an illusion, we feel like we're pressed for time, but in all actuality, we have more time than we, we really believe. So, and I think, again, it takes an open mind to realize that. Maybe you're going to need some, some feedback from other people like, hey, we don't have to act right now. We can wait, right? There's no sense of urgency here. The sense of urgency is in your own mind. And the sense of urgency in the mind might potentially close the mind, if that makes sense. I like time. I like talking about the time pressure as far as it applies to 
the open mind. Okay, number nine, competitive environments. I wrote about this in my blog post yesterday. Two different environments. You know, think about think think about the workplace. This is it's a good one to think about, and maybe not so much right now when many of us are working from home, but in our previous life when we were at work, and many people are still at work, especially essential workers in certain states, whatever. Two different environments. You know, you have this competitive environment, or you have this collaborative environment, and I don't know if it's an either or thing. You know, it could be a combination of both. I think an organization can or does trend towards one side, whether it's collaboration or competition. Uh, you know, any organization, any business, I mean, let's be honest, it's a competition competition for scarce resources, right? An organization or a business, whether it's a for-profit or non-profit, they only have so many resources to go around, paychecks, money, tools, whatever. So is a competitive environment conducive to the open mind or does it antagonize the open mind? Um, think about maybe someone in your peer group who you are competing with for promotion purposes. What are the conversations with that person going to be like? Are they going to be meaningful, deep and meaningful? Are you be are you going to approach those conversations with uh, the idea that you're going to learn from the other person? Or is it going to be kind of standoffish, very guarded? I don't know. That's why I wrote competitive environments on there. And that's why I wrote about it yesterday because I don't know if competitive competitive environments are super conducive to open minds. I think collaborative environments, it seems intuitively that the collaborative environment is more conducive to approaching a conversation with an open mind. Point number 10, math. I kind of wrote this up here in a funny way. Two plus two equals four. In the world of math, I don't know if an open mind and dialogue are the best dispositions to be in approaching that subject, approaching the subject of math. If I want to build a deck, I think I can have an open mind on how that, the design of the deck is going to be, but the point that I start measuring and cutting, I don't know if I need an open mind. Maybe on what tool I'm using, right? But as far as measurements go in math, they either work or they do not, right? It's a pretty black and white thing. And this is coming from a person who's never built a deck and my dad will laugh at me because my dad has built hundreds of decks. Maybe not hundreds, but he's built a lot of decks. My dad, I didn't get that, uh, I didn't get that skill set from my father at all. That's why I talk about all these abstract uh, lofty concepts because I can pontificate a lot more with uh, lofty and abstract concepts. If you pin me down and make me build a deck, it's going to be the ugliest, most hideous and unsafe thing you ever see. So so math, I wrote that up there kind of in a funny way, but kind of in a serious way. Uh, I think there are universal truths in math, right? Um, Ask Euclid. He's no longer alive, but I think Euclid had some pretty good truths when it comes to math. Point number 11. Cognitive biases. I call these the limits of the human mind. Cognitive biases, there and there's honestly from a psychology standpoint, I, I don't know how, I, there might be hundreds of cognitive biases, at least dozens and dozens of them. 
Um, they're numerous. I once saw I saw a graph once, a spectrum of cognitive, cognitive biases. I think that should go on Leadosophy's website because it's pretty awesome. Like, I'd have to find out who the author was or who created that that graphic, but it was pretty amazing. But cognitive biases kind of limit. It's almost like it's kind of holding the door shut of the mind when we're trying to push it open. The cognitive biases, I think, are kind of forcing us to, to close that mind a little bit. So I think as far as cognitive biases are concerned, it's more of an awareness. You know, I think part of having an open mind going into a conversation is having awareness of what our biases are. That's important. And that goes into the very last point on values, beliefs, and assumptions. And I've talked about other episodes, I've talked about assumptions and our values. Because again, these are important. Our values and assumptions and beliefs are there. These are important because it's our guidance system. It's kind of how we conduct ourselves in, the, in our day-to-day lives. However, uh, we can also become dogmatic in how, what our beliefs are. And if we, if we take our beliefs to be truths, back to very, the very first point that, that I put up here, if we hold that our values and beliefs are the absolute truth, then again, our mind is closed or is closing. And I think it's very important to make the distinction that no, no two people will have the same value system, right? There's competing values all the time in the workspace, at home, in the community. Um, again, competing, competition, you know, these are things that kind of antagonize the disposition of an open mind. So, so that's that. Values, beliefs, and assumptions can, if we hold them so rigidly that we're, we're, we're afraid to have them shaken, uh, it can antagonize the open mind. That's enough for today. I threw a lot of stuff at the wall. Um, again, would love to hear your comments and feedback on my very opening statement of leadosophy. The open mind is the rule and not the exception. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought, the tools of philosophy to deepen our understanding of leadership and in life and in life. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.